Are you a millennial, Gen Xer, or a young boomer? Do you want to learn more about financial independence? Are you contemplating or already in early retirement? The Lighter podcast highlights, or as we like to say, Lights, issues around your financial independence. Join the community as we explore millennial-boomer relationships and pass the best lessons down to next-gen Phi millennials. We will talk about FIRE, from FU money to early retirement. Hello and welcome to Episode 2 of the Lighter Podcast. I'm Lambo, the creator and host of the Lighter Podcast and the Lighter.com blog and website. I have a big thank you to share today. I want to personally thank each of you that downloaded and listened to Episode 1. It was a successful launch and exceeded my expectations. The comments, emails, texts, and reviews were incredible. I genuinely appreciate the ideas for future shows and constructive criticism that many of you provided. I know it takes extra effort to send a note or write a review, so super thanks to those of you that went the extra mile. And now, our disclaimer. I want to remind each of our listeners the content in this podcast, including any show notes or links, the Phylighter blog, and the Phylighter website are entirely educational or entertainment in nature, and you should seek a certified professional for tax, investment, or legal advice or otherwise. We are not tax or investment experts and are not in any way providing expert advice, so please seek your own tax, legal, or other professional advice and counseling. Phylighter or its creators accept no responsibility or liability for any actions or activities you may take based on anything discussed on the website, podcast, postings, or comments. And now for today's episode. Easing into segment one, here's some bongo bump tunes. If you remember from the last episode, my goal is to fill these podcasts with interesting content and build your confidence and competence in making personal finance and, in some cases, lifestyle decisions. A few things heavy on my mind during elections this week are the content focus today. Remember the quote, if you're not in, you can't win from episode one? The first point we will highlight is a recent reminder that market timing is a loser's game. The second point we're highlighting is the concept of opportunity cost. Today, we'll take a deeper dive into these two concepts. I've talked to several friends and even some investment professionals leading up to the presidential election here in the USA, and many voiced that they thought a particular result was going to move markets significantly downward, and they were going to put funds on the sidelines and wait for a drop to put their money back to work. This behavior is something we call market timing where due to your superior investing savvy, you sell high and buy low, or at least that's your plan. Well, what has actually happened this week? I'm going to quote several things from the Dow Jones Industrial Average, so that's the reference you will have for context. Monday, the market was up 1.3%. Tuesday, or election day, the market was up 2.1%. Wednesday, the market went up another 1.3%. And Thursday afternoon, we closed up almost 2%. If I do the math right, this week alone, the market is up almost 7%. If you chose to pull out or wait till after things calm down to put your money back into the equity market, you missed it. That 7% you did not recover or gain on your investment. 
Now, I'm the first to admit, if you focus on a small enough slice of data, you can tell any story you want with data. Many of you probably are looking at the index chart right now, sitting in front of the computer, and you figured out the week before the election there was a drop in the market. I'm not a technical investing expert or a chart master, but if you click the three-month chart, you'll see what appears to be two and a half shark tooth patterns in the index. Here's the point. When you attempt to be smarter than everyone else, you must make the decision at the right time twice. When do you sell at the pre-event high, like the election? And the second time, when do you buy back into the market at the low point? More than likely, you're not going to get this right both times, meaning you will either sell too soon and miss upside or too late and get out after the drop has already occurred. And when you buy back, if you wait till some sign occurs that the bottom is in the rearview mirror, you likely already missed a big chunk of the recovery. The COVID market cycle reached a low on March 23, 2020, with a 3% drop that day and a 4.5% on the previous day. Would you have known that was the bottom? There were two other major drops earlier in the month of 10% on the 12th of March and 13% on March 16th. If you were waiting for more drops on the 23rd and remained on the sidelines, you would miss the next three trading days, March 24th, 25th, and 26th, which combined for almost a 20% gain. Yes, you heard that right, a 20% gain the three days following March 23rd. In J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth, Chapter 5 has a great chart of the Dow average over the long term. You can pull up any long-term Dow Industrial Average chart online and see the concept that over time, the market always goes up. The key is how long of a perspective you have when slicing the data. I'm going to go off plan and talk a little bit about how important it is to have a financial plan with goals identified to help you decide on a strategy to invest buckets of dollars on appropriate time frames tied to the achievement of those different goals. If your goal for a particular bucket of money is a short horizon, say three to five years or less, it is probably not a good idea to invest in equities. The volatility in the examples with investment values dropping 25% or more in a given month and then going back up, perhaps even with a dead cat bounce that head faked a lot of folks in June of this year, only to drop back down, may be detrimental to your achieving goals at a specific time when you need to liquidate the investments for that stated goal. What if you've been planning to purchase a car at the end of March and had to sell stocks or equity index funds at the bottom? Better than that, let's say you had a windfall at the end of 2019, like an inheritance or a year-end bonus that you put right into the market on January 2nd, and then a few months later turned around and sold in March, let's say at the worst time on March 23rd. You would have realized a loss of 35% of the funds that you invested at the end of the year. In less than 90 days, you lost 35%. Okay, let's consider an example. Let's say you took that $20,000, you invested it on January 2nd, and you were planning to buy a new vehicle around spring break or for Easter and the summer travel season. You needed $20,000 to buy that new car or truck or whatever it is you want to buy. You put it in the market. And then on March 23rd, you went ahead and sold those investments so that you could go down to the dealership and, and pay $20,000 for the car you wanted or look in the want ads because 
you're probably a firelighter and you're thinking, I can get a great deal, let someone else take those depreciation hits, and you would be right. Your 20000 now would only be worth 13000 That's right, down 35%, because on March 23rd, when you sold those investments, they had lost their value. Realizing it or not, you put that money at risk, put it in the market, and took it out for a short-term need. There's a pretty big difference between 20000 and 13000 when it comes down to making a purchase. In all likelihood, if you needed that car for family capacity and travel and reliability, you'd probably go ahead and buy a $20,000 car and finance the difference. Did you hear what I said? Finance the difference? So now, not only did you lose $7,000 and only have $13,000 for the car, but you're going to finance the difference and pay even more. So not only did you lose that seven, you're going to lose interest as well. I don't want to belabor the point. I just want you to consider the time frame for your investment strategy and various buckets that represent the goals you need the money for in the future. If you're 20, 30, 40 years from retirement and those funds are in a 401k or some other type of retirement account, you can continue to invest over time and allow time for the investment to recover from drops and continue to compound and grow long before you liquidate it for the goals at your horizon of retirement. Think about it as buying things on sale. On March 24th, if you put a bunch of money into that same account for your retirement, you would be buying at a low price. And as you all know, most of that drop has recovered in the market, or at least a large portion of it has. We're down to single digits in terms of being back to pre-COVID lows. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the second concept for today. That concept is opportunity cost. Many people struggle with this concept, and it may seem obvious to you, or it may be difficult to understand. But let's start with the definition. The new Oxford American Dictionary defines opportunity cost as the loss of a potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. My head spins when I think about the word alternative being twice in the same definition, along with both gain and loss. But let's read it and think about it a little bit. The loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. I'm going to take you back to one of my popular blog posts dealing with the car purchase decision. Post 5.0 was titled, Mind the Gap, Discover the Secret Turbocharger to Your Early Retirement. I know the word car is not even in the title, but there was a turbocharger in my first car, and that's what I discussed in the post. With the opportunity cost definition in your head, think about this scenario. This is real numbers, my real decisions. Uh, we all have these in our background. Uh, don't think you're unique if you made uh, decisions that you look back on that you're not proud of. I graduated in the mid-80s, started my first job in public accounting at $23.5 a year, and six months later scraped together a down payment for a brand new car. I actually drove it right off the showroom floor. It was a Dodge 85 ES Turbo Convertible all mine for 16800 Not three months earlier, my dad had suggested that I consider a Chevy Chevette, which could be bought for $6,000, literally about a third of what I wanted to spend. Did I even consider the math that my dad was suggesting? No way. I had Ray-Ban Wayfarer sunglasses. I was picking up a black turbo convertible with alloy wheels, leather seats, and a cassette tape deck. I loaded up my buddies. We cruised Westheimer. We listened to Dire Straits. Walk of Life, Money for Nothing, it was a great album. Since we're looking back on this tangent, let's focus on what the opportunity cost was that I maybe didn't consider. Think about the loss of the potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen, that being the Dodge ES Turbo Convertible. 
Had a young Philider considered all other alternatives and invested the $10,000 difference that he would have saved if he bought the Chevy Chevette compared to the Dodge 600 ES turbo convertible, investing the difference in the S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, think potential gain, it would have grown to over $325,000 today. But hey, I was almost 22 years old and I looked really good in that car. I thought my future was literally so bright, I had to wear shades. Not just any shades, but Ray-Ban Wayfarers. Insert hashtag stupid lessons, hashtag hindsight in 2020. Opportunity cost is a hard thing to grasp. Sometimes it helps to think of needs versus wants. I needed reliable transportation, but I wanted a cool car. This is where I have to step back and provide a little color or frame around the concept and the perspective on financial independence. My dad and I once had a conversation many years ago that stuck with me, and I've shared this concept with a lot of people over the years. The story basically goes like this. Life happens on the yellow brick road, not in Emerald City. Of course, this refers to the Wizard of Oz movie. Breaking it down just a little bit, most of the really good parts of life, the memories, the experiences, the opportunities, they all happen between A and B on the yellow brick road, so to speak. Not after you arrive at Emerald City. Think about that one a bit. If you only focus on opportunity cost all the time, in the extreme case, you may find yourself on a perpetual beans and rice diet, retiring with a huge bank account and no great memories. The key when considering opportunity costs is that you acknowledge you're giving up one alternative for another. Realize for every action, there's an opposite action. When you realize how hard it is, especially early in your career, to save that first $1,000, you begin to gain a perspective on what you gave up in the form of hours of preparation, dressing, commuting, and working to put that money in the bank. Just thinking about the concept of how much time you spend making money. Consider reading Vicki Robbins' book, Your Money or Your Life. One of the concepts in it is you pay for your money with your time. That's a key point something you want to probably explore more. But let's get back to today's podcast. Okay, here we are, fresh out of school. In my case, in my soon-to-be wife's case, back in the 80s, working for one of the big eight accounting firms, you pretty much were expected to wear a suit to work every day, and you needed the clothes before you had the cash. The ladies were not exempt from this. Most days they would wear a business suit as well, or a conservative jacket over a dress. As a 21-year-old, you may have one suit, or maybe two that you had in college for interviewing. If you can maintain enough physical activity and healthy eating, you might still be able to wear those for a while. But two outfits are not enough. So what do you do? You put down a newly acquired credit card and buy a starter wardrobe. On top of all this, you started to become fashion conscious and the marketing culture started working its way on you. You couldn't just buy any shirts. You had to have tight weave cotton pinpoint Oxford shirts. Regular Oxford shirts just wouldn't do. And laundry, you, you didn't do these at home. You had to have them done at the dry cleaners. If you were lucky, you could get them for a dollar a shirt. Can you hear the L.A. Law theme music playing in your head as you spin into the drive-up pickup window at the cleaners and they toss your plastic-covered pinpoint Oxford shirts in the back seat of your convertible? Sorry, I was stopped by the millennial in the next room that pointed out people probably don't know what the L.A. Law TV show was even about. Let's just say... It was really trendy, upbeat, law firm in L.A. What, what else do I have to say there? Uh, I don't even know what the equivalent TV show is that our millennial audience listens to or watches because I just don't keep up with those TV shows anymore. 
You get the concept. This next story I'll call the CNC story. Cards in college. When thinking about opportunity cost here, you'll see it's something to be considered. And the same rule holds true when you're making car decisions. At one point, two of my kids were in college at the same time. You know what it feels like to write two tuition checks at the same time these days? Think about walking into a Chevy dealership, paying cash for a new loaded Suburban, and then turning around and handing the keys to someone on the street. Sounds pretty tough, right? Well, imagine my parents riding four at the same time. For over two years, my three brothers and I were in college simultaneously. While my children were in college, I began driving econoboxes. That's an 80s word for typically an imported small economy car with a four-cylinder engine. I had several of them. First, I had a Civic, then a Ford Focus, and then a Corolla. On a side note, the Honda and Toyota are still in the family. Yeah, I took a lot of crap from the folks I worked with. Most of them had nice big trucks. Some of them legitimately had cows and tractors and stuff to haul around. But long story short, working in rural Texas in an executive level position, there were kind of some unwritten expectations. As in, I know we pay you well. You're a CPA. And something must be really off if you haven't figured out how to scrape enough money together and drive something more appropriate than a Honda Civic. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out I had multiple kids in college. And to avoid debt and digging deeper into savings, we chose to spend those salary dollars on college. See, the opportunity cost for buying a big truck, taking on debt, and depleting savings was simply too high for us. I'll confess, I'm not driving an econobox anymore. But my son still drives that Civic from A to B. It's over 15 years old and it's still serving us well. These are person examples. Some have small impact, some have large impact. They're just to give you the perspective that opportunities to grow the gap come in different sizes and each of them accelerate your path. Some turbocharge the path. Others are just good for a few miles an hour. And now for our second segment. A little more upbeat bump music because the hard part is behind us. to keep this episode short, these two concepts, market timing and opportunity cost, are big points to ponder. Both will weigh heavily on accelerating your path to FI. As far as immediate actions you might consider, did you pull out of the market for the election? Or even back in the March COVID drop, when are you going to get back in? Or did you already? More importantly, do you have a stated written investment strategy that you're living up to? You may really enjoy reading post 7.0, two portfolio consideration for today and always. This post covers asset allocation and diversification. I'd encourage you to learn more about both of these as you begin to continue to invest or if you're considering altering your existing holdings. I don't know who to credit for this quote, but it's frequently said, time in the market beats timing the market. You've probably heard it many times. Time in the market beats timing the market. That's twice now. For funds that have long-term goals, have you committed to a strategy that includes sticking to the plan even when your emotions are stressed? How about rebalancing only once a year, not when you just think it's the right time and the market moves, so now I'll rebalance? Have you personally learned the truth about market timing the hard way? Have you tried it before? What did you do back in the 2008 financial crisis? If you want to learn more about this one, take a look at our blog post 6.0, Four Ways the COVID-19 Market Drop and Recovery Made You a Better Investor. 
I have personal examples of the gains and losses and challenges to be patient in the storm for one of my own accounts that may help you understand and quantify both the portfolio impact and if sticking to your strategy is rewarded. With respect to opportunity cost actions, just bounce ideas against this concept whenever you're considering significant financial outlays. Put your requirement on the top of a sheet of paper, and on the left write the pros or benefits, and on the right the cons or detriments, and then consider other alternatives to fulfill the requirements stated at the top. Each new alternative provides a different set of benefits or detriments. This may help you decide if the desired purchase is a want or a need, and if so, what is the minimum negative aspects and in the maximum positive aspects you might be able to achieve with different alternatives. Remember, first and foremost, life is a balance. A path to financial independence can accelerate or decelerate from time to time depending on the opportunities and what you value. If you value taking your family on a special trip and acknowledge you may have to work an extra six months prior to retiring, you may still want to take that trip. Windows to spend time with the people around us open and close, sometimes without warning. Does that mean it's a bad idea to pursue financial independence and you should spend every dollar you make, charge all your cards to their limits, and get a HELOC on your house? Heck no. It just means there's a balance. There's a balance out there. And as a Phi Lighter, enjoy your path to Phi and slightly early retirement. There's room for both a great life experience and early retirement. Let me close with this common financial planning term. Chew on this as you get ready to work in the morning. Retirement life happens in phases. There are go-go years, slow-go years, and no-go years. Every year you work while you have good health may be adding to the financial assets for retirement, but time is an unrenewable resource. That precious go-go year you gave up is the opportunity cost of working another year. Opportunity costs are not always financial measures. Time has tremendous value. What would another go-go year be worth to you? Time and memory spent with aging parents, young grandchildren, traveling with your significant other? What value would you put on those experiences? I'm guessing some of you would say they're priceless. Thanks again for being part of the Ladder community. Keep the feedback coming. I love your creative ideas and constructive criticism. I'll be sure and include direct references to the blog post and the books we discussed in this podcast. My goal is to highlight or highlight relevant information on each of your paths to financial independence. A wealth of information will benefit you whether you're a millennial or a young boomer. It may only be that you need to change your course heading just a few degrees to make early retirement a reality. Please take a moment and hit subscribe on your podcast player. We want to be sure you get the latest Filighter content when it's released and published. I look forward to your comments and feedback and engagement with other Filighters. You can also subscribe to the Filighter Facebook page. There will be a link in the show notes. I'm Lambo. Let's clear your path to financial independence. Make it happen. Grow the gap. This is Lambo, the Filighter. If you're hungry for more, visit Filighter.com. Buckle up, downshift, and dump the clutch. You are in for an accelerated ride into your financial future with Lambo, the Phi Lighter.